My name is Boyd Varty. I think of myself as an artist of experience. My passion is to create transformational experiences for myself and others as a way to explore what it means to truly live. My central exploration is to live on what I would call the track of your life. To me, this is to live courageously towards the discovery of what you are called to and to what life asks of you. So much of how I live has been informed by my passion as an animal tracker. I'm following the trail of my own life and reporting back. This show is a daily broadcast from a treehouse on the Londolozi Game Reserve in the wild eastern part of South Africa. Londolozi is a 14,000 hectare wilderness reserve adjacent to the Kruger National Park. The land is home to lion, leopard, rhino, elephant and buffalo, as well as a variety of other animals. I am your host, Boyd Varty. My goal is to spend 40 days and 40 nights alone in the wilderness to explore the archetype of the mystic in nature and hone my skills as a tracker. These are my daily stories. Day 14. Compass, not culture. I'm going to start with a little reading from Braiding Sweetgrass. The Skywoman story, shared by the original peoples throughout the Great Lakes, is a constant star in the constellation of teachings we call the original instructions. These are not instructions like commandments, though, or rules. Rather, they are like a compass. They provide an orientation, but not a map. The work of living is creating that map for yourself. How to follow the original instructions will be different for each of us and different for every era. It's really like that. I have about a month of solitude to go. To go till what? The idea that I could finish this experience is becoming really absurd to me. No, I suspect there will be no leaving this tree. Here is an unexpected thing to be grateful for. Touch wood, for some reason, my camp has not been ransacked by baboons. Every day I bathe in this gratitude, and I think all of us should be grateful. Any day our home is not ruined by baboons. So I would like you all to put it on your gratitude list somewhere near the top. Not ruined by baboons. Tick. Coming up from washing a pot in the river, I found myself face to face with a teenage elephant coming the other way. He stuck out his trunk in front of him like we would put our arm out to say stop. And before I knew it, I found myself saying, no, you stop right there. Communication has been well established. What a cast of characters makes their home out here in the bushveld. Walking out onto the clearing near the camp, I saw a huge old tortoise walking with a small group of warthogs. I mean, to really look at a tortoise, and a warthog for that matter, you might as well kick the saloon door open and walk into a Star Wars bar. Just from a straight design perspective, I can't help but wonder who came up with these creatures. And they are so themselves. Harmony is when, by being uniquely yourself, you belong to a greater whole. Well, Tortoise nails it. So odd, yet perfectly himself, and such an addition. A shaman I knew used to tell me that what we are trying to do as we live is balance our harmony with the intelligence of life. When we are in harmony, it's like that intelligence flows through us. 
We stop trying to live well and we are lived. Our path and purpose comes through us, not out of some quest to find my purpose, but by being who we most naturally are. And to look at any of the animals, it just takes you there. They're all so different, but so clearly perfectly in tune with their place in the intelligence of life. I mean a leopard. A leopard is total leopardness with no effort. So why am I here in this tree? Certainly to find my harmony. In order to do that, one must do inner work. So I thought, if you don't mind, I'll just share a bit about my understanding of inner work for context. Inner work, in very simple terms, has two movements. The first is a clearing out and becoming aware of all the things that are not really you. You find all these little patterns that come from trauma, social conditioning, what you needed to be, how you needed to be to be liked or to belong, what you needed to fit into your community, your ideas about what made you valuable, ideals from your culture. And what you discover is a lot of who you think you are is not you at all. It's conditioned response. The next phase is where you ask, well, if I ain't all of that, then what? Who am I? When you arrive here, there are no signposts. And honestly, the language gets fluffy. You have to learn to follow the intelligence of life. Let your essence express itself. Become a tracker, wayfinder. Follow your bliss. Learn your medicine way. And what the language does not do justice to is what a deep challenge you have arrived at if you choose to go this way. You might wonder, like my drinking buddies do, well, why do inner work? Why do you want to dig around in all that soft shit? Well, here's why I'm drawn to inner work. I have a friend who told me he was going to counseling with his wife. Is there a problem, I asked. Not at all, he said. That's why I go to counseling. Carl Jung has this idea that the unconscious will play out in your life till it's made conscious. That's why certain patterns repeat over and over in certain people's lives until we develop awareness around what we don't know is driving us. With awareness, we learn to make different choices. We learn to live in a way that is more aligned with who we are, more in harmony, moving towards the state of peace that comes when we are internally agile with our evolving self, compassionate, integrous, grounded. This is the work of finding the wild man or the woman with her wolves. And it seems to me that you choose to do inner work or life will choose for you. And when life chooses, it's harder because you have to learn how to go inward and get in tune with your way whilst dealing with divorce, death, change, sideswipe, betrayal, about torn, trauma, disillusionment, all of the uncertainty that suddenly puts you into that kind of exploration. So what is my work today? My work is on the tracks of a leopard. The tracks of a male leopard cut across a sandy patch of ground. They look extremely fresh, but then they disappear, wiped out by the tracks of a herd of elephant. Londolozi is the highest density of wild leopards in the world. It is a place where trackers and guides have fostered a deep relationship of trust and respect with these creatures over many generations.
at Londolozi, wild leopards allow themselves to be seen. I lift my head up, and there, not thirty yards away, is a small wallow. The elephants have been mud-bathing in it. The mud and water is freshly splashed. The elephants were here just a short time ago. This means that although my leopard track is wiped out, it is not necessarily old. Listen to how tracking can be like inner work. Here I start by speculating. I move on the line of the last track. I scan open ground. I let myself be in a process now. Let myself not know. I just try things. A dry riverbed is close, called the Mashaben, or place of sand, named after the loose sand that lines the riverbed. I cut down into the riverbed. Elephants have been all over, wiping out tracks, freshly snapped branches and soccer ball-sized dung balls. I scan the ground with attention. There is not the whole picture, but enough, a distorted section of the back pad of a leopard track. Now I know where he was coming from, and generally where he's going. I know that he will likely stick to the thick, shaded areas along the banks of the dry riverbed. With no trail, I must pick a bit of a track here, confirmation. And there, yes, sometimes 50, 60 meters between tracks. Then, no more tracks. Without another track, I must move on gut. I move on understanding of how leopards move, anticipating and just generally speculating a direction. Periodically, game paths cross the dry river bed. I always check them for a track, as the leopard would use them to exit the riverbed. Nothing. Elephant tracks everywhere. I keep going. I know that track was fresh. He's close. It's like I can feel it. I must believe. I must believe I can find what I'm looking for. Doubt can seep into a tracker's mind and render him undone with second guessing. When I think about it, there is a path I know that leopards often use when they walk this way. I will loop around to check that spot. The path is clear sand made by hippos weaving through tambuti groves. As I cut onto it, from behind me, from near where I have just come, a squirrel alarms. I put binoculars on the squirrel and, and see where he is looking. Frankly, squirrels can be quite unreliable and, dare I say it, alarmist. The squirrel stares intensely down onto the path. Then I see him, walking directly towards me. A pale-faced male with frayed ears, mythical, the pale face making him almost ghost-like, framed by the boughs of huge trees. He senses me and stops and looks directly into the binocular lens. Although he is 40 meters away, for a moment it is as if we are face to face. His gaze has voltage. I realize that I'm on his path, so I give way, allowing him to see me moving away, respectful of his passage. I walk away from the riverbed into an open clearing. I'm alone at sunset. In the book Into the Wild, 
One of the last journal entries that Chris McCandles makes says, Happiness only real when shared. I don't know if I believe that, but I understand that sentiment in this now. On his path, the leopard suddenly calls. <coughs> I'm asking myself, what is my work? What can I learn from Londolozi and the leopards? Certainly, my work is to let myself be seen. Completely. Maybe not by everyone, but by someone. That is a true challenge. 4-0, out. This has been another episode of the Track Your Life podcast with Boyd Varty. Follow us on Instagram at Boyd underscore Varty, Twitter at Boyd Varty. Visit Boyd's website at boydvarty.com or subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast player. Please rate and review this podcast so that more people can find and enjoy it.